Welcome along to episode 722 of the Mill Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, Louis Corne lets us know about his role in SpongeBob SquarePants at the Grand in June. We'll be hearing from Linda Robson as we talk about a card for those who are using medical cannabis to carry, so people know quite what they're up to. William Hansen is along to let us know the etiquette of the coronation and how we make the most of the celebrations. We'll be hearing from Ziggy Alberts with his brand new album on the way and a gig coming up in Birmingham too. And we talk DIY with Dom Wood. That's all on the show this week. Welcome to the Milk Bar. 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 It seems that there are many people out there who do not own screwdrivers and hammers. Somebody who has a full toolkit and knows how to use it is Don Wood, who joins me now. Hello, sir. It's lovely to speak to you, Jason. How are you doing? Oh, good here. I hope we're finding you well and you haven't had any mishaps in the world of DIY. <laughs> if I do, then I don't put them on social media because I like to pretend that everything's perfect. No, yes. that's why I am very happy <laughs> to hold my hands up and say I'm not an expert and that I am learning and I do get things wrong. And I think that's really, really important. I think that's part of the appeal. I mean, your videos have got several million views each online. The House of Wood is where we can find the magic that is you doing DIY. And how do you approach a DIY task? Because obviously there's a a lot to it to to prepare to make sure you don't make those silly mistakes. Well, there is. I mean, the... the, the... The thing is, though, when you make mistakes, that's when you learn. So it's kind of going to be inevitable that things are going to go wrong. And then you look at them and you you look up ways to try to get around those those um, kind of fatal mistakes. Um, <laughs> but it's been, it's been a very rewarding a journey. And it's been very strange for a lot of first time homeowners who are looking at this channel because they're the people that grew up watching me on, uh, on Dick and Dom and the Bungalow. Mm-hmm. Now they're watching me renovate my house. So it's, it's very good. But it's, it's, a, it's a very positive uh, experience because everyone's in there just kind of giving each other support and they'll have questions and I'll ask tradies questions and they'll give answers and other people get answers. It's It's been very, very uh, interesting, the whole thing. And when it comes to those jobs around the house, so people hate having to do things like clearing the block drain, fixing a tap, putting up fences. Those are the least favourite jobs. I have to admit, I have had to change the little washery widgety thing in the ceramic what's it. And it, you spend most of your time trying to order the bit you want off Amazon and getting it wrong three times. But yeah. it, it, it's... It can be done. That's the thing. You, you can have the confidence. There's nothing better. If you need a bit of advice, a bit of help about the right size washer or anything like that, the best thing you can do is get yourself down to a DIY merchants, whether it be one of the big ones or an independent one, and just ask some questions. Say, I've got one of these. I need one of these. Can you recommend? And they'll help you out. You, there's this thing which is kind of like kind of trade anxiety where you go to a DIY store and because you don't feel like you belong there because you're a DIYer and it's got trades in there, you feel like you can't ask a question just in case you look silly. It's like being in the playground again. But the reality is a lot of those guys, nearly all of them are really happy to answer questions and to help out. Yeah, and this, although yeah, obviously you're offering some amazing guides and fun showing your DIY antics online. Yeah. Uh, there, there's some intriguing ones out there, and, and there's, there's there's toothpaste involved in so many online life hacks, and yet there's there's actually one for real in in, in one of your tips you've got for yeah. us. Well, I mean, the thing is. You know, you don't have to have all the fancy gadgets around the house in order to be able to do the jobs. Look, when I'm hanging pictures, I use, a, oh, it's my favorite tool in the world. It's a laser level. So basically <laughs> it projects a laser all the way around the perimeter of your house, but it wobbles and then it sets and it goes right. So you, I can put the pictures up at the right level. If you haven't got anything, 
anything like that, okay, um, you can just get a blob of toothpaste. And you know the hook on the back of the, the, the picture mount, on the back of the frame. If you put a little blob of toothpaste there and then put the frame exactly where you want it on the wall, it transfers the toothpaste from the picture hook to the wall. That's exactly where you drill or nail and it'll sit exactly right. And it's minty fresh as well. It's minty fresh. <laughs> That's why we like it. Uh, when it comes down to the DIY jobs, though, we also need to get rid of our waste. And one of the easiest ways is doing that through a hippo waste bag, isn't it? Well, yeah, it is. I, again, it's it's um to take away the fear mongering. And I think sometimes, you know, people get scared by scared by industrial scale stuff. So when a big skip arrives outside their house one morning, <laughs> it could put the fear into some people. Whereas the great thing about these hippo bags is that they fold. I've, I've literally used them for years, even before I joined up with these guys to, um, to, to talk about all this. I've used them for years. And they fold up nice and small. And they, you can keep them in your garage or the cupboard under the stairs or your shed, whatever it is. And when you're ready... You just take it out, unfold it and stick it on your drive or outside your house. And that's when you can pile all your stuff in. And again, when you're ready, you just kind of contact them. And they'll come pick it up and take it away. And it's a lot more cost effective than a skip as well. Yeah. And they sort out all the bits and pieces so we can reuse anything we can reuse too. Yeah, it's sort of like 95% of the materials get recycled from, from the skip. So it doesn't just go into landfill. It's really good. Yeah. So this means when you rip up a floor, you know it might actually become another floor somewhere else, even if it's a mosaic tile in future. Or hamster bedding or anything. Who knows what will happen to that flooring? It's the hamster bedding I've been worried about, to be fair. So that's <laughs> that's, that's a good one. Uh, any other tips for us that we can share now, aside from going to your website and checking out the details? Uh, yeah, uh, yes. Um, do your research. That is my top tip. Do your research. Get the right tools you need for the job before you start the job. Keep all the receipts in case you need <laughs> to take stuff back. And my final golden rule before you start doing the job, and this was given to me by my father-in-law, who was a great renovator in DIY. I loved him to bits, uh, which is measure twice, cut once. I have made that mistake. I was putting the, the flooring down in our garden room last year and uh, right. the, the skirting boards, fortunately, the two side pieces were interchangeable in the end because I cut one the wrong way around. Uh, um, but got I away know, with it. Exactly. You made the bevel cut the wrong yeah. way, didn't you? Yeah. I did that yesterday. I was making some collars for the bottom of the pillars outside on the porch from the front of my house, just so they look kind of nice and substantial at the bottom. And my final bit, so I did, I boxed it all the way around. I did the front, the side, the side, and I had a bevel that went all around the top and I put the bevel the wrong way, sloping inwards. I was like, oh, and oak isn't cheap. So Ooh. I'm giving you this bit of advice, but I still don't take it myself. Measure twice, cut once. Yes, that's the best way of doing it. And make sure the angle's the right way up and you don't do anything crazy with the jigsaw. But I'm glad uh, I'm not. I'm glad I'm not alone. Absolutely not. Well, I'll say some great tips out there. So where do we go for first of all for full details on your TikTok and the fun you're having there? Uh, well, uh, I've given a load of uh, exclusive tips to uh, the guys at Hippo, hippowaste.co.uk. Uh, but for my my Instagram and, uh, and TikTok handles are at the and then underscore house of wood. Because okay. my name's that's it. But it's a hippo doing great things, helping to tidy up. And particularly, it's a great way of hiding the mistakes. You put it at the bottom of the bag and none of your family notice that you cut that bit of oak the wrong way. No one has to know. That's the way it works. Don Wood, thank you for joining us. Have a great time. Enjoy Hi, the work and don't do any damage. This June, Bikini Bottom is going to need saving. On five evening shows at seven o'clock and two matinees, SpongeBob SquarePants may be able to help out with that. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Lewis Conroy. Hello, sir. 
Hello. Hiya. Nice to meet you. Uh, good to meet you too. And as we talk, we're on Zoom. And at the minute, you've moved a little forward to the, towards the camera. So we can't see the impressive nature of your hair. Are you ready? This is the reveal. Yeah. There is the hair. So uh, it is quite impressive. And uh, is. Th this th is this something that you have uh, brought together for the role? Or is it something that you carry around with you at all times? I don't carry this around with me. No, this is something very much for the role. And when people come watch the show, it's sprayed yellow and it's all massive and it's very cool. It's sort of punk rock style. <laughs> but, but no, I don't really have a fringe. I'm very boring. Well, yeah, but this is a big show, though, isn't it? It is running from the 27th of June through to the 1st of July. And mm -hmm. it is the ethos, the fun, the, the manicness of SpongeBob SquarePants, the cartoon, but with real people, because you're not that actually square, and you're then transported into the wonderful world of Bikini Bottom. But as I mentioned, things are under threat because there's something of a large plastic volcano. There sure is. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's sort of... Um... How would I best describe it? It's got all the silliness and all the joy that you'd want in SpongeBob SquarePants, but actually you've got that classic sort of hero story. You've got all the musical theater numbers that people might want. So you don't necessarily need to know SpongeBob SquarePants at all. I mean, I didn't before doing the role. I wasn't aware, but I loved the score. So it, it's like a proper Broadway musical. And you've had uh, a great time uh, singing along. So I've seen some of the clips that have been coming out from the, uh, the the company themselves. And once you get these songs, you do not want to stop singing them. I mean, I, I can't sing, but I still want to join in. But I won't. I, I don't sleep at night. I'm going. I go to bed at night, literally singing the songs over and over again. But yeah, they really get in your head. They're such good songs. And music from David Bowie, Cindy Lauper, a load of stars all contributed to this show, uh, which has existed for a little while now, but this, this is its first real outing across the UK. Yeah, yeah, this is the first time it's been in the UK. Um, you can Google the, the pictures from Broadway. It was amazing. Um, and yeah, we're putting sort of our own spin on it and our own humour, I think, for British audiences. So SpongeBob, obviously an important character, uh, loved by millions. Uh, you must be proud of landing this gig. Very proud of landing this gig. When it came about, I was like, it see, I, I was like, it would feel wrong. It would feel wrong for me not to be doing this. My it feels that like my life has led up to playing SpongeBob. I always feel like a cartoon character. <laughs> he looks like me. He's got the gap in the teeth. He's got the high pitched voice. It's perfect. And how do your friends and family feel about this? Because uh, you disowned, were... me. disowned me, I'm afraid. Really? Because you, you've really started living this, haven't you? Yeah, I just walk around and just go, hey, everybody, how are you all doing? And it just grates. Um, <laughs> they, they couldn't be, I mean, a lot of my friends, I'm sort of of an age group of people that grew up watching SpongeBob, so they were so excited. Um, my family were confused. <laughs> <laughs> But that's the thing with the show. There's a lot more when they came and watched the show, they were like, oh, this is a proper huge thing. And there's so much to it. Um, and that's what I think a, a lot of audience members have come and watched it and gone, oh, I didn't I didn't expect it to be like that. I didn't expect it to be this sort of big brash musical. Um, but 
but he's set under the sea. We are in Bikini Bottom because we know that SpongeBob SquarePants lives in a pineapple under the sea. And <laughs> this is uh, some fun plays on, on words. So there's, there's something there for everybody, whether you're an yeah, adult or child. The seven mm. o'clock is a child-friendly start as well, so it's a bit like Panto. But uh, it, this itself is, is a storytelling. It, it, this isn't a pantomime, is it? This is a proper full-on musical for all the family. I would, yeah, I would think of it. It's got some of those bits, those recognisable bits from Panto, but I feel like it's an elevated Panto. Um, we've got some of those, tro- we've got the jokes and stuff, but yeah, it's the story that's been really sort of, like you, the, the show was, it took years to craft the show. Like it, it's gone through such an evolution. Um, so yeah, you've got those jokes, but it's just a bit more well-rounded, I'd mm-hmm. say. Yeah, because I mean, when you've got a hot property like SpongeBob, you absolutely have to get it right. And I think yeah. they've absolutely got this right. Yeah, well, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. But you've been having a great time with audiences yeah, already. It's, it's, it's in end of June. We are at the Grand. Uh, but you've also got some interesting friends down there as well, because obviously SpongeBob mates with uh, Patrick the Starfish. Tell us a, a bit about the rest of the cast and, and who we can expect to see, because there's a, alongside yourself some other big names. Yeah, so we've got obviously um, Davina DeCampo playing Plankton, who is absolutely incredible in the role. So funny. Um, And that is giving sort of that evil villain vibe. (laughs) We've got an incredible ensemble. Um, Patrick is played by the wonderful Irfan Damani. We've got um, Sandy Cheeks, who is, of course, a squirrel that's living under the sea, because that's normal. Um, By Chrissy Pima. We've got Squidward, who is played by the incredible, delicious, scrumptious Tom Reed Wilson. Um, it's a real eclectic bunch of actors, I'd say. And it works perfectly for the show because everybody is so different in what they bring. We've got people doing acrobatics across the stage. We've got people doing opera. We've got people doing rap. It's literally, it's a, yeah, it's a really exciting company. Yeah, and, and I have to say, the sea bit under the sea is actually part of your imagination uh, because we're not flooding the theatre, are we? When, well, we're not. It depends. You're tempted. The budget wouldn't allow, sadly. Yeah. No, no. The diving gear for the whole audience would have been a tad awkward and your popcorn would have floated away. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> there, there's, there's things you need to take into account when you're doing this. But it, yeah. it, but it is an amazingly fun show. Right, we, we've mentioned the fact you love the songs. I, I'm going to put you on the spot. Favourite song, come on. Well... <laughs> I'd have to say my own song. <laughs> I'd have to say uh, there's a song called Sim- Just a Simple Sponge that I sing. It's written by Panic at the Disco. And it's um, Fabian Aloise, our choreographer, did this incredible thing where basically, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, how can I say it without giving too much away? I basically dance with sponges. Yeah. But in a way that's very, you'll see some of the pictures, it's very beautifully done. The whole stage goes dark and you just see floating sponges around me. And it's, yeah, that's my favourite. I feel like a rock star. You absolutely are. You're certainly a massive star on this show. And we're loving the fact that the hair is there and it's yellow for the show. Uh, Plus, you get a great outfit to be SpongeBob in. It Mm. is Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre. It is the 27th of June through to the 1st of July. 01902 429212 is the box office number. Grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets. And note, it is a 7pm show in the evening with two 2 2pm matinees on the Wednesday and the Saturday. And it's been well with 
of getting along. Badger your school to take you on the Wednesday yeah. afternoon. Badger your parents and the family. In fact, your parents will want to go and see it as well. So make sure you all go along and enjoy SpongeBob SquarePants at the Grand. Lewis, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being SpongeBob. And uh, just, just, just say goodbye to me in his voice, please. Thank you for having me. Goodbye. <laughs> With a new album and a forthcoming set of gigs across the UK, Ziggy Alberts is rather busy and joins us now to tell us more about his world. Thank you for having me. Now, we're spotting a slight accent there. Explain a bit more about that before we begin with. So, um, basically, grew up on the uh, Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Um, try and make a concerted effort when I am, uh, sorry, Queensland, Australia, Um trying to make a concerted effort whenever I am speaking, particularly overseas, to not be quite as, what's the word I'm looking for? I try and make an effort to not to not speak as I do in Australia, which is with poor English. And so... Everybody loves not I try so people can understand me, hopefully, a little better. Zoe has the same problem. She has to bring her Midlands down accent a bit when yeah, she's outside the area. <laughs> <laughs> but you're gonna have a good time though because you'll be hearing all sorts of accents he has across the uk uh in june i think it's the uh the 10th of june you're at the o2 institute in birmingham so uh a, a midlands gig for you in the uk and how often do you get over here is this uh, a mainstay for you and your music as far as internationally i'd say yes it's it's definitely a big one I, this particular uk run alongside the show um at the O2 in Birmingham, I'm going to be also doing, I'm going to be doing my biggest, some of my biggest overseas shows today. I mean, I think, yeah, like Manchester, Manchester's two or two and a half thousand people and London is going to be 5,000 people. And then I've got, I think like, I actually was just pulling these up now. Um, I've got like, I think about 10, 10 gigs there. And like I, when I spoke earlier with somebody else, I'm shocked to, shocked and pleased to say, you know, I'm playing in Brighton and it's sold out and Falmouth is sold out and Bristol mm-hmm. and Exeter sold out. And yeah, and all the other shows are just doing fantastic. So yeah, to be, I'm going to be doing my first Midlands show, first show in Birmingham. Birmingham. So <laughs> that's going to be, that's going to be really good. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, yeah, my brother went to America a few years ago. Um, and everybody thought he was from Australia. So whether the West Midlands accent sounds a bit like Australian, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I'm going to guess no, Australian. but we'll see how that works out. <laughs> At least we can tell what he's saying, which is what counts. So, yeah. so you can tell us a bit about your, your background musically then. It's funny, believe it or not, actually, my one of my biggest influences is one of the UK's very own, Ben Howard, who had such a mega, you know, it'd be amazing for him to know such he's such a big impact on surf acoustic music around the world you know so many people um i mean i certainly felt like he changed my whole perspective of what folk music could be um so i guess that was an early influence for me and then as you kind of as you go on you find i guess your own twist on music or folk music in this case and being a singer songwriter um it's I guess there is. I guess folk music in busking circles is a big deal in Australia. I'm trying to think. In Australia, I guess we also have this really um. I guess the whole punk rock surf music, this whole that that's a big a big, very I guess big part of, 
let's say what you might go out and see all the time. Um, but yeah, mm. folk music for me. And uh, it's been, yeah, crazy 10 years since I last had another job. I, um, that's where I quit to just Good pursue man. busking. Yeah, 10 years, still on my gap year, 10 years later. Um, and yeah, pursued uh, music full time at that point onwards. Um, it wasn't a big career plan. Obviously, at first it wasn't at all. But yeah, 10 years on where amidst another world tour, um, I started a record label in 2018 um, to stay independent called Common Folk. So we got a record label and a publishing house. And yeah, I've been coming over to the UK actually to play shows for eight years now, which is um, crazy to think my first shows ever were these tiny little gigs in 2015, which was, you know, where I was but playing tiny shows in Australia as well, but took the leap to come across here. And I'm very pleased to say it's been, um, this will be my fourth return tour to to Europe and the UK. Um, so, yeah, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to being back, particularly after this last four-year stint. You know, this last four years away has been a long time, so I'm glad to be back. Are you surprised at how it's grown, if you see what I mean? If you look back on the last 10 years, are you does it surprise you where you were started to where you are now? Because this the tour that you're doing seems like huge, if you see what I mean. And uh, could you ever imagine have been doing something like this when you first started out? Because it could have been a career in dentistry, couldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little different. It's a little different. Like uh, what did someone say before that I was on, on the phone with was, um, you know, you could have been pulling teeth, but now, you know, you're pulling crowds. And I hope that the latter is more um, pleasant <laughs> to those involved. Um, yeah, look, I... I never would have I'm, I've just been I'd say really just um, stoked as we say in Australia to come back after four years and to be playing to almost double the people at every show that's kind of um, incredible you know particularly for the time away the UK is actually one of the few places that you know through I think major you know through great regional support of a lot of you know independent publishing kind of medias you know like what you guys are doing through all the different radios i've actually had mega regional support and it's a real it's a real case to show for how strong regional support through a place like the uk like the sort of impact it's had on the shows is incredible you know opposed to and that's not to say that it wouldn't be um incredible to get plays on places like bbc and stuff like that but there's something to be said for community-based um or more independent uh you know, listening platforms that uh, have had, by example of this tour, such a big impact over the last couple of years. So I'm, yeah, I'm just amped, amped mm-hmm. to come, come and finally play live shows for the people. Yeah, I think it's every um, surfer's dream, isn't it, to like tour the world and play music at the same time. So yeah, it's got to be your dream job, I would imagine. <laughs> it's certainly, um, you know, they they do those two things you know my time in the ocean and music they're very part and parcel of of who i am you know um on and off camera on and off stage so that's something that it's always a smart ticket if you can use your music as an excuse to go and surf places that's always a seems to be a fruitful experience you know but also i also don't mind i don't mind city slicking from time to time as far as like doing the shows is immensely important and you get to see really cool parts of the city too so yeah it's um can't complain yeah i would say we have got a few um really good surfing beaches 
In not the... in Wolverhampton we have until Birmingham. No, it's a bit, but you've got to go over to Wales. Particularly good. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you've quite, if, you know, if you've been to those sorts of beaches, I'm lucky to have been. Um, I've surfed um, a bit down in like uh, down the Cornish coast, um, but Wales and Scotland and Ireland and England actually have such. They actually have the locals keep it so well done the, the water's cold enough as well but it's actually really good waves like wales has some incredible waves um you just have to have a thick wetsuit so I've, <laughs> I've not done as much i've not done as much exploring i actually don't mind cold water surfing at one point i was um spending a bit of time living in in norway and i um was i remember doing a, a surf trip into the arctic circle in like february or january and that was <laughs> just for reason up in the northern part of Norway and um there is something really special because there's just so few people you know often mm. there's so few people when you go do those you know cold water surf trips like so yeah I know I some colleagues uh, some English colleagues who you know who you wouldn't guess are English now you'd guess they're Irish who started a CSA farm down in County Clare in Ireland there from 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 England and they just exported to Ireland because the waves are so good and they pioneered all the surf spots down there. So yeah, you guys have, uh, believe it or not, there's actually incredible waves as long as you've got a thick enough suit. Oh yeah. You, you'll be <laughs> heading out and about as you do that, as you're in the tour at the right time of year, it's going to be as warm as it can be. However, yeah. we've got an album being released in May ahead of the tour itself. Uh, six track. And you're also, though, including some live studio versions of the song. So now, th this is what you're about. If you can play it, it gets it comes across well because it's live. Well, yeah, it's, it was really cool. So basically, it was maybe September or October last year, I had this opportunity to come up to go go to um, record in one of the rooms at Abbey Road. And, um, and so I came across the ditch, flew across specifically for that, and I did this six-track um EP called A Postcard from London, um, which is just so epic to be um, releasing ahead of all the shows. You know, it's like a real, I think it's a nice special touch for the the UK audience to get something that's geographically, you know, specific and recent as well, like something that just was recorded a couple months ago. So I am, I'm really pleased that's all come together because that was a bit of a pipe dream. So for that to all be released around the same time as the tour, I think it's just going to be a nice touch, you know. The album on the 19th of May. The tour hits Birmingham on the 10th of June at the Institute. Well worth getting yourself down to the O2 Institute for this one. Buy now whilst tickets last. Obviously, everything is selling out. This is the time to do it. Ziggy, where do we find you on the socials and online? And, of course, pick up that album before we get to the gig. So the album, um, as you said, that's you know early May. That will be out. We are working on some physicals. They will be available along with tickets on ziggyalberts.com. C-I-G-G-Y-A-L-B-E-R-T-S.com. And uh, people can find me usually on socials via Ziggy, Z-I-G-G-Y-A-L-B-E-R-T-S. That's my Instagram handle. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's where I'll be. We'll be keeping track and document, trying to document as much of the tour as we can. Um, and looking forward, looking forward, like I said, to the, my first show, my first show in Birmingham. Should oh. be great. It'd be great to see you in the Midlands, mm -hmm. not too far for us to head over and enjoy. And the music is absolutely going to drag people off their seats into the front row 
and to be screaming, wailing, dancing, and probably singing along a little bit too after they've learned the tune. So great That's speaking right. to you. Thank you for joining us. We're going to take a, a listen to one of your songs. Now, uh, we, we I think we're going to go just to keep it in the, the sort of sea-sun mood, the sun and the sea, one of your live studio tracks, and uh, we shall uh, be imagining you on the crest of a wave somewhere if you listen to it. <laughs> Perfect. I think that's fitting. It won't be. We want to be famous But we don't really mind what for And we want to feel different As long as nobody's keeping score And we want to get high on another supply Living so conveniently And we only want to protest when it's on trend And everyone else here agrees We're still figuring out What we came to remember Feeling like an outlaw Living in a post-truth era, era Was to figure it out What we came to remember Citizens in an uproar Living through my big eras, eras The sun and the sea Always work it out The sun and the sea Always work it out We wanna be honest Ignore the elephant in the room And we wanna have culture But cancel it if it ain't my views And don't wanna get high on another supply Stop living so conveniently And don't wanna go protest Not cause it's on trend Standing in for what I believe We're still figuring out What we came to remember Been feeling like an outlaw Living in a post-truth era, era We're still figuring out What we came to remember Citizens in an uproar Living through my big eras, eras The sun and the sea Always work it out The sun and the sea Always work it out The sun and the sea Always work it out The sun and the sea Always work it out We're still figuring out What we came to remember Feeling like an outlaw Living in a post-truth era, era We're still figuring out What we came to remember Citizens in an uproar Living through my epic eras, eras The sun and the sea We wanna be, we wanna be coronation on the way and it's a time to have some enjoyable fun but what does it mean when it comes to the etiquette surrounding such an occasion somebody who knows the etiquette of every occasion is William Hansen who joins me now hello sir hello Jason thank you very much for having me well good to talk to you thank you for joining us and it, this must be a, a delight for you it's a happy occasion born at the back of a, a sad one last year but a, a chance for us to come together once more as a nation and enjoy a coronation even though it's slightly different to the one that happened 70 years ago 
Yes, life is so different from from 1953, of course. Um, and you're absolutely right. The coronations or royal events, we've generally the happier royal events like uh, jubilees that we've had or weddings, uh, are really good occasions for communities to come together and to celebrate. Even if you are not the the biggest of royalists, I'm sure you will at least be invited to something with your street, your family, your community, or use the the bank holiday uh, and the long weekend to to come together as a community, which can only be a good thing. Absolutely, and yeah, it, it is an extra day off, even if you only see it as that. But it is something that uh, is again going to be part of British history, and uh, the 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 reaction to it, and the commemorative plates, mugs, and various other things that we'll all no doubt indulge in, uh, are, are all part of making it special. And you know, the 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 commemorative mug is something that goes back pretty much more than a century now, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And there's there's all sorts of sort of royal knickknacks and paraphernalia that that are coming out, the, the, even if it's the, the coronation uh, programme that came out officially uh, from Buckingham Palace a couple of couple of days ago. So uh, I, I'm a big fan of tea towels, of royal tea towels. I have a mm-hmm. tea towel for every royal occasion going back <laughs> for quite some time. Um, so, yeah, we, we love all that. So tea towels aside, obviously, we are you know, making sure that we're having fun at events and things. And do you think there might be a few formal dinners for this as well? You know, people will have a, a bit of a sit down and have something with a bit of pomps, circumstance, uh, you know, maybe a roast peacock. Yeah, well, who knows? Yes, you could you could roast whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I think you'll see a range of dining options over the long weekend uh, in amongst families, friends and, and office places. You'll see barbecues you'll see street parties you will see candlelight suppers and things like that i think you'll you'll have it all but as long as you're eating nicely uh then it doesn't matter uh, what type of uh event you're having and sadly there's a, there is a little bit of research out that proves that people may not be eating as nicely as maybe they were doing in 1953 mm-hmm. yeah because uh, the, the cutlery thing i mean uh i'm i'm often inundated with cutlery and never know which bits to use if i go to a christmas party uh, I, I may not be having the fish course but i know at least which knife that is but the rest of it gets confusing what should we be doing when it comes to this sort of thing yeah, okay, well, with with cutlery, if someone has set the table correctly, and that is the big caveat, uh, generally we start on the outside and we work inwards. So even if you don't know what does what, and well done, you know that the fish knife is the one that sort of looks like a fish's tail, uh, you start on the outside and work inwards. Often in pairs, the only one that doesn't have a pair would be the soup spoon. It's very hard to eat soup with a fork, so you just need uh, a spoon to scoop away from you. But I like the fact that uh, you you are inundated with cutlery. That's lovely because this research from uh, Costa Coffee has shown that less than half of us hold the cutlery correctly. Uh, and a lot of people, over 75% of people, don't quite know how to put the cutlery when you're finished eating. Oh, no. Yeah, because is it 12 o'clock or is that really a faux pas? Well, yeah, it's sort of a 6.30, but I'll accept 12. I'd, I'd mark that correct in an exam because that's opposite six. But you put your cutlery together at, if you imagine the plate is a, a clock and the knife and fork is the hands of the clock, you would put them together at 6.30. But, I mean, I will do that when I'm having dinner at home, uh, most likely because I've finished before everybody else and it just says, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> but it, it, it is almost as if it, you, you do feel you've done with your meal when, when the cutlery is in the right place. And leaving them all askew makes it difficult to pick up and put the plate next to the sink for somebody else to worry about later. 
Exactly. Yes. It's easy if, if whether it's your your partner, your friend, your flatmate or a waiter in a restaurant to come in. If your cutlery is at the 630 position, they just come in, put their thumb on top of the cutlery to stop it from uh, moving and whip the plate away. Easy peasy. They also know, particularly in the hospitality industry, they know if you've put your cutlery together that you are finished. They don't need to interrupt your conversation to go, have you finished? Because they can just take it away. It is uh, an unwritten rule, I suppose. Well, probably is written in a book that you've got out. But it's, it's a rule. It's written which... in quite a few books that are behind me for, for those watching us on <laughs> so, social media. It's in all of these books. <laughs> so it is there, but in your own head, keep that one in mind and it will work quite well. But I like the idea of the fact we're going to be here. We sat down in Costa Coffee having a drink and it's the pinky finger which which comes up. And, and there's about 64% of people doing that when they are sitting down and having their cuppa. Yes. Now, what do you do, Jason? I have to admit, I, I don't stick my finger out very often because I, I, I normally, if I'm at Costa, I'm having a, a large white hot chocolate and that is in a, a bucket with handles uh, and you need to hold both of them to be able to get it to your lips. It is such a generous portion. But uh, if you're having mm. one of the smaller drinks, it, you, you could easily do that. Yeah, uh, a lot of people do this research. 64% say that they do it, as you, as you say. Um, it's not actually correct. I think the sort of certain films have, have perpetuated this myth that it's <laughs> terribly sophisticated to extend your little finger. It actually has its roots in the French court of Louis XIV and XV, and it was a way to silently communicate to other people that you perhaps were going to get to know a little better of an evening, shall we say. Uh, it was to communicate that you had a sexually transmitted disease. Uh, it is not what people think but what happened is you had the staff of those houses thinking oh gosh all the posh people are going around sticking their fingers out it must be terribly <laughs> terribly sophisticated to do that and actually etiquette back then was exclusive rather than today where it's more inclusive and so um the the staff didn't know this and so you had this myth that extending your finger was correct but it isn't I, I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm not doing that and i, I, I i'm glad it. you answered that question correctly because it, it would have been very awkward now if you had said you did extend it, it. it would, i'm not i'm not going to ask what you do when you have a drink I, i've just seen you drinking and i know your finger wasn't in the air so we are we're all good it's not in the air that, that, that helps okay but, but what else is that we should be looking forward to with the coronation that that is uh certainly a, a no-no maybe even at a barbecue which is one of the more relaxed eating environments Yes, absolutely. And, you know, there's, there's still etiquette of barbecues. The, the one thing that sort of winds me up, whether it's a barbecue or, or you're going round to your friend for a kitchen supper or something, or even a, a formal thing, is the lack of napery. I like a napkin, even if it's, I mean, I obviously would love a cotton or linen napkin, but paper will do. A piece of kitchen roll is better. But barbecues are messy. You are probably using your fingers if it's a hot dog or if it's a, a burger or a chicken wing. And so you especially need uh, napkin or a, or a piece of kitchen roll because otherwise you've got to go around and you've got to wipe your hands on their sofa and they generally people don't like that uh, but if they get greasy marks on the sofa because they haven't provided napkins they do only have themselves to blame and there's no excuse for not having a, a wonderful set of union jack printed napkins or union flag printed napkins he says about to be corrected probably uh so uh, you know that can be a bit of fun over the coronation weekend too Yes, do you know, I mean, this is a bit of a serious point now, but actually we, we are the almost the only nation that uh, would allow our state symbol of a flag to be on, we stick it on bedspreads, we stick it on cushions, we stick it on footstools and stick our feet on it, we stick it on napkins. If you did that in America, they'd go absolutely ballistic because they get, they're so protective over their flag. If you do it in China, you can go to prison if you don't respect the flag. Whereas in Britain, we have the liberty that actually we might love our country, uh, but we can stick our flag on a napkin and sort of use it to blow our nose and wipe our fingers. And uh, it's not really a crime. So we should we should respect that. 
and, and enjoy it, but, but have the napkin. Maybe just a red, white, and blue one. Mind you, if you put those together, they look a bit French anyway, and we certainly don't want to be doing that during the coronation. No, no. we. I mean, they've got quite strong feelings on us, and we've got quite strong feelings on them. <laughs> so uh, how are you celebrating the coronation? What have you got planned? Uh, well, I shall be I shall be in amongst it, soaking up the atmosphere because I mean I'm very fortunate. I live in London, so it's quite easy for me to get uh, to, to the palace. So I'm going to sort of go and soak it up. Because although we will have another coronation, hopefully in our lifetimes, um, it it will be nice to to be there. It's the first time we've had one for uh, 71 years, so I think it's nice to to be there to uh, soak up the atmosphere and see what's going on. Yeah, statistically, even if Charles is as long lived as his mom. William will hopefully be on the throne before I disappear based on the longevity of myself. But uh, yeah, fingers crossed for that one. But I mean, obviously, an awful lot going on. Uh, Costa have got more tips for us online, I take it? Yes, I'm sure. And you can always go down to your nearest Costa coffee and enjoy the coronation chicken toasty, but nicely, please. No crumbs. OK, and, and make sure you use that napkin. Please. Uh, then we can find you on the socials as well. Yes, I'm at William Hanson Etiquette on Instagram. And plenty of things going on there, including podcasts and all sorts, which I very much enjoy. William Hanson, thank you for the advice. I shall make sure my fingers are in the right place, my cutlery is correct, and my napkin is doing its business. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Jason. A first-of-its-kind card is out there to help those who are medical cannabis users. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Dr. Stephen D'Souza, Clinical Director at Relief, and also Linda Robson, TV personality and medical cannabis advocate. Good afternoon to you both. Good afternoon. So, first of all, Linda, tell us a, a bit about your interest in this and, and why you know the importance of this card. Um, because a couple of years ago, I did this programme called Gone to Pot, and I travelled around America, where it's legal in most of the states over there, with Pam St. Clements, uh, Christopher Biggins, John Fashionow, and Bobby George. Um, my interest started um, before this trip, um, because I befriended someone on social media called Darren Blackwell, and he had um, two forms of cancer. He had leukaemia and then another really rare form of cancer. And I just befriended him, and I used to go to Bristol and visit him in the hospital all the time. And then um, he was given one in eight billion chance of survival. Um, and then his mum rang me and said, I don't think he's got very long. Would you like to come and say goodbye to him? So I travelled to Bristol to say goodbye to him, mm-hmm. went to visit him in the hospital and said our goodbyes, um, went home. A couple of weeks later, his mum rang me and said, you won't believe this, but we've we've um, he's finished all his chemo and everything, but we're going to try him with cannabis now. So that's what they did. And... Um, and then I actually we actually spoke to him on the program called Gone to Pot, and he's um, in remission now, and he's still taking the cannabis. And he the last time I spoke to him, he was working for Heston Blumenthal in a restaurant. And Touchwood, years later, he's still doing really, really well. Oh. But on the program, we also went to visit this little girl, um, and she was probably about eight years old, and she was having up to a thousand seizures a day. And once they started her on the cannabis oil she then they reduced by 90 percent. so i saw firsthand amazing that medicinal cannabis can be yeah and 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 Stephen, obviously this is something which is life-changing for people yet there is still concern from one in four about using medical cannabis outside the home without you know because someone may think they're doing something illegal yes and in fact those the same study showed that uh about a third were concerned that they would be stopped by the police and could be arrested if they were found to have cannabis on them. Um, and part of what Relief is trying to do um, is ensure that there is adequate education out there 
um, such that people understand that firstly medicinal cannabis is legal um, and I think from that study about 58% didn't realize that it was legal um, and secondly that it has very good properties in certain circumstances. Um, the fear that people have is that if they get prescribed cannabis they'll be labeled as a druggie um, but also that if they take their cannabis outside home they will get arrested uh, they will have the cannabis seized um, and they could end up in court. Um, the government has made very strict or the Home Office has put in very strict guidelines as to who can have the cannabis um, and also um, uh, what is required to be checked if they have cannabis on them, by the, if it's checked by the police. So the card that we've got um, is, is a, uh, I don't know if you can see that, uh, is a, um, a really a driving license style card. It contains a photo of the individual, their name, their address and contact details. Um, it also has a QR code on it, which gives access to patient data, a telephone number, which can be called 24 seven uh, by only the police. So if there's any concerns about the information they get, they can call that and clarify that. Um, and the relief website, which is relief.co.uk. The, so this is really uh, trying to set their mind at rest, giving them that card that does show exactly what uh, they are taking this for. And it, it may not be in the same form as you'd expect to see cannabis if somebody was using it illegally either. They're not going to be wandering around with a weird little plastic bag full of uh, for literally weed, are they? Not necessarily. They, they, you can vaporise uh, cannabis. So medicinal cannabis can be vaporised. It can't be smoked. If you smoke it, that's illegal. Uh, but as you rightly say, it can come in other forms. So it can come in tablet form or it can come in uh, oils, which are put sublingually. Um, and both of those are, are alternative ways. So you're right. It's just if someone is stopped and they are found to have cannabis on them, then you can see uh, that it is a medical cannabis. And the, the information that's contained in the uh, QR code gives them on-the-spot verification that that patient has a valid prescription or the type of product that they have in their possession. Uh, and you say different formats, it can be in the different formats that it's, it can come in. Uh, and that will all be detailed on the card. And Linda, did you see a similar scheme in the US when you were over there filming? Yeah, um, you could go into one of the surgeries and they'd ask you questions. We did a Zoom call with a doctor when we first arrived there to tell him any problems we had. Mine was menopause. Um, I've also got um, a little bit of arthritis, I think. And uh, I wasn't sleeping, obviously, because I jet lagged and I just arrived there and they prescribed some cannabis. Um, and that definitely helped. And it has helped ever since as well with my joint pain, um, with my insomnia. <laughs> and just with my anxiety as well. Um, I think during lockdown in particular, lots of people were suffering from depression and being lonely and everything. Um, and that was a really, really hard time for everyone. And um, with the marijuana, that just seemed to calm me down and it definitely helped with my joint pain. And absolutely, I mean, able to do this legally without the concern and without the worry of having to buy this illegally for somebody who, you know, needs to have that medication. It is great that we have that in place in the UK. Now, obviously, there are strict guidelines around it. Uh, but Stephen, again, this is something which you're guaranteed the quality of as well, because if you're buying things on the street to try and self-medicate, you've also got those concerns. So it's certainly the right way to do it. And this card just puts everybody's mind at ease. Yes, that's right.
um, the, the, that is the big differential between learning that people are using street cannabis for health reasons. When you don't know actually what's in it, do you? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So where do we go for more information on the card so people can familiarise themselves with it? So if somebody does you know, be seen to be using that and say, this is my card, so we all understand what somebody's doing, but also to find out more about the opportunities to use medical cannabis when you're discussing it with your doctor. So the Relief Dispensary's website is simply relief, spelled R-E-L-E-A-F, uh, .co.uk. So check out all the details there and you can find out about the card too. Uh, for now, Dr. Stephen D'Souza, Clinical Director at Relief and Lydia Robson. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank Thanks for having us. Thank, Thank you. you. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 723 next week. I'll see you then. Good afternoon. Goodbye from the mill bar. Goodbye from the milk bar Goodbye from the milk bar Goodbye from the milk bar yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar yeah.